May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another QQ Audio podcast. I'm D.C. Puba of QQ Audio and QQ Archives. I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship, and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So uh, today we're going to have a, a life in Bali. I don't have a guest. There, there's, there's people I want to be guests, but I just, I've been doing too much, you know, other stuff. And I just haven't gotten to it. But there's one guy who runs the uh, plastic for rice exchange, something like that. Plastic bags for rice exchange. He's agreed to do it, but we just haven't, I've, you know, every time I talk to him, he can't do it then or whenever. We haven't connected yet. Uh, and then, I'm, you know, I'm always just trying to keep up and catch up. And so uh, anyway, he will be soon. And I'm going to do another with uh, another one with Jonathan Hack, uh, uh, who, you know, he was a while ago, a year ago. I don't know how long ago. Uh, uh, he was, um, you know, in the movie business and used to set up movies for here. But we left out his music experience, which is very interesting, and we'll see what else he has to say about living in Bali. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm just going to tell you about what uh, we've been doing recently. Uh, uh, Katrinka, um, you know, said it's time for us to take a few days away from here, and she wanted uh, to break my... Uh, vicious cycle of uh, constantly doing uh, uh, vital things for QC archives and uh, the music I've been working on and stuff like that. So she made a date for us to go to Limbongan. It's uh, an island 30 minutes away from Sonur uh, with fast boat and uh, four nights. And she got it's a nice place. Ocean views, second floor. It's a place, Tar Tarchi, T-A-R-C-I, the place we've stayed at there a number of times. Is <laughs> the main place we go. You know, we have to leave Bali uh, for a vacation. We can't have a vacation on Bali. Well, that's not true. I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, it's part of Bali too. The three islands there: Limbongan, uh, uh, the middle-sized one, uh, Chiningen, the baby one, and Panita, the big one. Uh, and it, it makes you think of the three bears. What well, made me think of the three bears? Anyway, and uh, <laughs> um, so and we we have stayed and spent time on all three of those islands. But we like Limbongan, uh, and so um, we took a fast boat over there. But before we went there, I got all the podcasts and posts done. For the week, uh, Monday to we left Monday morning, you know. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I had all those done. I had the posts for Saturday. Uh, I had done the interview for the Saturday uh, guest. You know, it's Saturday or Sunday is when I put up the guests, uh, uh, the Zen guests, and uh, I just needed to go over it and get it ready to post. So. Uh, you know, I 
didn't have I didn't I I didn't have to uh, worry about getting things done when I was there, uh, and I always worked some every day, even if like that, but uh, wouldn't have to work that much now. So we went over there, right? Now, for months and months, I have been waking up at like, you know, uh, one, two, three in the morning, even 12 after going to sleep at 1030. Uh, and I get up and, th- and then I'll, I'll uh, what I'll do for I don't want to get up that early. Of course, it screws up my day the next day. Um, so what I do is I meditate, right? And, uh, you know, I'll sit for an hour. And if I don't get tired after an hour, I give up. And then I'll have some tea. Uh, sometimes I just have the decaf tea. Uh, but I find that doesn't matter much with me. Uh, if I get tired, I can just go to sleep. Although I suppose one will sleep deeper if they don't have any stimulants running through their blood. But I don't really notice that either. My mother used to drink a cup of coffee every night before she went to sleep. Um, and a lot of people do that, really. A lot of people don't realize that. But anyway, I've been doing this, you know. And like It didn't happen every night, but it would happen like three nights a week or even four nights a week, sometimes two nights a week. And... Uh, uh, I took advantage of it. I got a lot of work done. I'd, and, you know, I'd sit. That would be my sitting. But I made the next day a little hard. So I didn't really want to do it that way. I wanted to go to bed about 10, 30, 11. And I'd like to wake up at, you know, like 5. That's really nice. I like to wake up in the dark. If I go to sleep at – well, anyway, that's enough of that. Um, and we went to Limbongan. And we arrived, and, uh, you know, the fast boat, it was pretty smooth. The water was pretty smooth. And uh, it's a boat with, you know, with four big uh, outboard motors in back, uh, R5, or I've seen well, someone with six, like if you're going further, like to the Gillies. Uh, so we got there, and, you know, uh, it's, this is um, – uh, now, since COVID, things have changed. Uh we were, you, you know, for years we've been getting on these boats by walking into the water and, you know, uh, you you take your sandals or your shoes, whatever you have off, and you put them in a big basket and then you go barefoot into the water and, uh, you know, you get up there, you're over your knees or around there and and there's there's guys there that help you step up into the boat. There's steps on the back on both sides and lines Leading up to it, and uh, uh, they they're, they've got uh, uh, they've got a rope going, and you know sometimes the waves might be a little strong. You know, like, whoa, I'm getting pushed over, but they grab you and hold you, get up, right? And they get all the the your, all your luggage and everything on separately. That's all checked in, but they get it by handing it. You know, having some guide standing there, and, and and sometimes women and handing it off to the next ones. Until uh, they get it in, right? And they tend to put all of that on top of the boat. Uh, these are nice new boats. These are, you know, and this is big business here. Uh, and um, so, um, uh, so we got on. Oh, I want to say one thing about where we were, we were leaving from. 
We were leaving from uh, very close to where we used to live, uh, Pantai Sindhu, the Sindhu Beach. Uh, and uh, we lived in Sindhu, which is just the other end of Sanur. We can walk there in an hour from here. And, uh, well, a fast walker would walk there in 45 minutes from here. For me, it would be an hour. Um, and we're used to being down there and, and going down to the beach there, and there's like these little shacks with people selling you know, Cokes and tea and little tidbits to eat, different things, you know. They were all gone. They were all gone. You know, they've got this thing about modernizing the beach. There's a walkway going uh, five kilometers. It actually goes further than that in Sonora because it keeps going around. It goes, I, I bet you can go 10 kilometers. Uh, and uh, there's, there's uh, a place maybe... I'm at maybe seven or eight kilometers down uh, that uh, that um, where you'd have to leave and go up and find a bridge to cross the river. There's not one there, but you can go a long, long way that way. But the, the main thing is just the, the walkway in Sonor, and it's a very nice thing about Sonor. Um, they just built another one right next to it and made new rules, like uh, restaurants couldn't have covered uh, eating in, on, the, on the beach side of it. And uh, uh, also a bunch, of, um, a bunch of cool, funky places had to close. And, and, and you know, a lot of local people go to that, go to that uh, beach and go to the very, you know, along the way, especially on that end and on the end where we live. Uh, let, well, at some places in between, too. Uh, and more and more, the, the modernizing eliminates the places that they use. Now, they'll come back. They'll come back because, you know, it's like those are the people who, who live here. But it really pisses me off. Now, in one place, just the next street over, which is not far away on Sindhu, uh, they they built sort of nice, nicer uh Mm, uh, stalls for them that are all connected uh, and uh, more permanent structures and, and left uh, a, a number of those people still there. Our favorite one, Amoeba, which, you know, you can get, uh, you know, they make like, oh, Amoeba, that's a place, if, if, if that's one of the best places to take a visitor here because there's all these nice places to eat. Amoeba down there, you just sit in the sand on uh, some funky old table and and you order your fish, you look at it, you say, this is what I want. And there's all sorts of different types, you know, and they make it for you and they have these potatoes. They they uh, make the, you know, like in a spiral uh, and, uh, you know, they'll have a vegetable thing and everything. And it's, it's real... You know, Indonesian food with uh, the hot stuff, the sambal and everything, that's still there. But a lot of these places are gone. And we had friends, uh, you know. We knew a family that had one of them down where we were taken off in the boat. It's gone. All those places are gone. And we've seen so many things like that uh, get taken away. But they'll come back. Those people... You know, they can try to modernize and make everything fancy and glass and brick and concrete. Uh, but in the long run, they're going to lose out with that. 
I think, because the local people are resilient. They don't give a lot of trouble. They're, they're very, very nice people. In fact, I just read that Lawrence Vanderpost said that the Malay people uh, and Indonesians are Malay. Malaysia, Indonesia, same thing, Singapore, all that, it's, and Brunei. Uh, you know, I mean, they've evolved differently, but um, I can speak Indonesian over in, in Malaysia. They're, you know, they're, the languages are, are the same. Uh, well, they've evolved differently, uh, but you can talk easily. Uh, anyway, oh, and I want to say another thing. I just learned that uh, Malay comes from the root word malu. And malu is a very common word in Indonesian. It means shy. Uh, it's used for embarrassed. It, it can mean, you know, a, a quiet, unassuming, humble, that, that sort of thing. It's used a lot for shy. Like I said in Yoman, our, our, our driver, our Bemo driver in Yoman, I'd say, hey, Yoman, come on in. I want you to meet this guy. He'll go, malu, malu. <laughs> you know, it's the cast thing and uh, all that. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> so uh, anyway, so we go over to Limbangam, and uh, same thing getting out of the boat. Oh, one thing I wanted to say is that pre-COVID, Rocky, uh, which was our favorite boat people, why? They started going out of, out of uh, Saringan, uh, very near here. It's a peninsula. Uh, I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing that. I get it confused with the word for filter. Filter's a siren gun. Okay, the island, it, it, you, you don't notice it's an island because it's just an inch between it and the mainland. There's a little bridge. Uh, and uh, the island with the rocky um, dock, the former rocky dock, and I bet they get it back. It's Serangan. Uh, it's not very far from here, you know, 15-minute ride. We can sort of, we can see it from the beach down here, but you got to go around. And so that's Sarangan, and a filter is Sarangan. Saran, <laughs> yeah. well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> um, they had a dock. And, you know, we enjoyed the years of walking through the water. But it was so great going there. And they had a dock. And they had a dock on Limbongan. They went in through the mangroves. But, you know, every everybody, you know, went out of business and, uh, you know, had to downscale and everything. Probably they had to stop paying the rent on these places or whatever. Anyway, Rocky's back to walking through the water to get on the boat. So then the docks will come back. Uh, but all the other boat companies didn't. It was only Rocky had that, that dock. So um, anyway, we get over there. And, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's not cars on Limbongan. Mm, there's not private cars on Limbongan. It's very rare to see a car. There's, there's motor scooters and there's uh, like small trucks with uh, seating in the back. Uh, covered seating, uh, you know, uh, and uh, they take you where, uh, you know, Rocky gives us transportation in one of those to the place we're staying, to Tarsi. And, you know, they drive us, you know, up there and then we walk with our stuff and they have somebody carry most of our stuff and walk 
it's it's quite a ways from the road uh, to the beach where Tarsi is. Well, you know, it's probably five minutes. Mm, all right, maybe three minutes. All right. So anyway, we go there. We got this nine-second story place. Uh, it's uh, it, and you know uh, our experience there though was it was like going back in time. You know, Tarsi had gotten. Uh, we say Tarsi. It's Tarchi. Uh, Tarchi had gotten. Uh, you know, we'd watched it uh, in over the nine years we've been here, eight and a half. Uh, uh, we'd watched it get. You know, and Limbonga get a little more sophisticated in some ways. And they had nice selections of things, and you know. Uh, but anyway, we went there. You know the. The woman in the kitchen was heating hot water in a little uh, pan. You know, there was a samovar before, and I could just go up and get my own. Huh? There's all sorts of things. It was like, what do they do? Sell off their equipment? Uh, and uh, they have very little available. There, there, there's only tourists who are just starting to come back. They were super understaffed. Uh, it was all right. It all worked out. It didn't matter. But it, like I said, it was like going back in the past. And that what was available for breakfast was, you know— uh, Either uh, get uh, Nazi goreng, fried rice, you know, with uh, a few little vegetables and whatever you want in it, you know, a fried egg on top and stuff, but, which is fine. We like eating Nazi goreng. That's the national dish. Uh, and um, uh, Or you can get, you know, some white bread with a couple of uh, eggs. Uh, <laughs> listen, over on the mainland <laughs> in Bali, you can get it. Just about anything you want, you know. Go to a French bakery or whatever. But um, anyway, uh, well, actually, there's a great French restaurant right next to Tarsi. So it it's uh, anyway. It I did have sense. It was like going back in the past. So hey, here's another thing. Uh, we, we when we first went to Limbongan uh, eight years ago. Uh, between changing from one apartment to another, there was an 11-day period there where we would have had to rent a place for 11 days. And we thought, why do that? We can go somewhere else and and experience somewhere else. So we went to Limbongan first time. Here comes a plane. They won't be too loud. And uh, uh, we didn't hear those much for a long time. So anyway... uh, uh, we stayed in a, a very nice wood-like cabin. Uh, a Japanese man had owned and had, had built a little restaurant with it. And uh, tourists and people would come in during the day to the restaurant, and the couple that ran it would take care of them. But they'd serve us breakfast and dinner, too. There wasn't anything else there. There wasn't any other place. This is at the Mangroves. There wasn't any other place there to eat but it. And we were there 11 days. And uh, the, the best snorkeling in Limbongan is straight out. Like, you can take a boat out there. And that's the way we first went snorkeling. With, but then later we learned we could just swim out from there and go snorkeling. Uh, and it's uh, very, very shallow for a long way. So you have to, if, if, you know, and if the tide is is uh, out, you're, you know, like we're walking, walking. But um, it was really great, and we really enjoyed it. Well, after uh, a year or so, that was torn down, 
And, um, you know, I, I don't know, some, there wasn't uh, uh, there was some place to, oh, I know, the Chinese started coming in. And so they had little places to take care of the Chinese who come in in the afternoon trying to sell them things, right? So when, when we were there 11 days, it was really, really nice. But then uh, uh, Indonesia went on this trip advertising in, heavily in China because they wanted to get more tourists. Big mistake. Everybody knows it's a big mistake because here's what happens. And everybody complains about it. It's not a racist thing. It's a business thing. They come fully equipped to take care of themselves. They're picked up by a Chinese-owned bus company that takes them to a Chinese-owned hotel where they eat Chinese food uh, or they'll eat in a Chinese restaurant and they stay together and they ride buses owned by Chinese. So the Indonesians, the local people, they don't get anything, right? And that everybody will say that. They'll say, you know, they they don't want Chinese tourists because they don't make anything. Uh, and um, uh, so uh, anyway, uh, there really wasn't a good place to stay in the mangroves anymore. That's why we started staying at Tarsi. And we've stayed in a couple of other places. Katrinka has gone there more than me. I don't know. I've been there a half dozen times, I guess, or six, eight times. Uh and uh, so anyway, here's another thing that changed. Seaweed farms. When we first came, there were seaweed farms, you know, because there's these tide pools. It, just, it goes out a long ways, right? And uh, it, in certain parts, like near the mangroves. And um, so there would be like a seaweed farm there that was like, or not, well, I didn't know who, what the, dividing places were, who owned or what. But uh, there was a lot, you know, like several hundred yards of, uh, uh, you know, width-wise and maybe mm, 50 yards out toward the ocean or some, you know, a lot. There was a lot of seaweed grown. Little by little, we noticed all that disappearing because they're, they're making way for tourists, not just Chinese tourists. There are more and more tourists who are coming from Europe, Australia. Not that many Americans, but Americans, yeah. More Australians and Dutch and uh, other Europeans, Russians. Uh, hey, I'm going to say one thing about the Russians. Uh, a lot of them have been stuck since this Ukraine thing. Uh, their bank accounts have been frozen. Their banks have been maybe not their personal accounts, but their banks. And so I'd see car, I'd see a sign in stores that says we will not accept Russian ca uh, credit cards after such and such a date. And I'd realize, oh, that date is already passed. Uh, so I think most of them were found workarounds, but because I haven't heard anybody complaining about that recently. So anyway. So the seaweed farms sort of disappeared. Now there was still seaweed gathering going on there on the other islands, but but you know you really needed the place, uh, the place where you know it was accessible, like these long expanses where uh, uh, in a low tide you can walk out a long ways, a hundred yards, and uh, so. Um, the seaweed was back. That's what I want to say. We went there, and we see seaweed drying in places. 
uh, and there was the, back in that place there were seaweed farms again, and then where in Charchi there was new seaweed stuff that hadn't been there before. There were there were red flags on the tops of sticks going out of the ocean. Well, on all the beaches where people swim, that means don't swim here. It could be a riptide, but that's not what it meant there. It meant it meant there were seaweed uh, farms in that area. Probably didn't want a lot of boats coming in. It wouldn't hurt anything if you swam out there. And uh, so the water was very rough when we were there. So it's coming in. Uh, the rough water is coming in, and it breaks up the seaweed. Well, there was a whole village running out, and, and you know, around the end of the day, and getting the seaweed that's coming in, and, and in the morning, I, and a little bit in the day, but mainly I noticed in in, in at sunrise and sunset, and uh, around for a couple of hours there on each end. There would be people, you know, like from little kids, helping their parents, and like whole village collecting seaweed. It was so cool, and there's so many ways at which people have enjoyed uh, the uh, lack of tourists and COVID and becoming poor again. Of course, there are many ways they didn't, uh, and uh, <laughs> the we enjoyed it, you know, because of how peaceful and great it's been. You know how. Uh, it's it's not overcrowded where we live anyway, uh, or the beaches are never overcrowded. But frequently, I've been at the beach where there's no one else there, or they'll be Indonesians, uh, uh, you know, up above it, and and uh, there are crowds of uh, local people at certain times, uh, depending on the days. And sometimes I don't quite understand why they have so many. Uh, uh, Hari Roja, that means red day. Uh, that's on the calendar. You can see it's red. You know, holidays, national holidays. There's local holidays. There's Hindu things. There's, uh, you know, there's Muslim things. There's so many special days that sometimes there'll be a ton of people at the beach. Now, that can frequently happen, of course, on weekends, on Sundays especially. It can happen uh, often toward the end of the day, like towards at sunset or uh, are in the morning to a less extent at sunrise. A lot of people will come at sunrise and get um, get maybe get in the water a little bit or or cover themselves with sand or something or just sit there for purification. So you know sometimes there's nobody on the beach, right? I I go down there. You know I go down there with Bondi to go swimming and she'll 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 stay. Or she can see me. She'll run around a little bit. She'll keep up with me out there. And I don't go too far out if if I'm alone with her. But sometimes it's just like there's nobody. There might there will, there'll be some people up higher selling things, you know, near the walkway. But uh, or you you know I can see a couple of fishermen or a couple of boys with a kite or you know a um, foreigner or two or something. But it's just some days like that. And then some days I go down there, and there's all these local people, right, sitting on. They tend to sit on the beach or go stand in the water or sit in the water. Uh, that's great. I sort of like it like that because they're so nice to be with. Oh, you know, very friendly. You can say hi and stuff. But I tend to just go in and swim so, and then leave. Anyway, uh uh, and and more and more, the Indonesians uh, were the only people I would see at the beach. 
But the tourists are starting to come back. But there's no conflict between local people and tourists using beaches here. Uh, everybody's polite and nice. So anyway, the whole village is out there collecting, right? Oh, I should explain the seaweed in the seaweed farms is tends to be more normal seaweed, you know, like longish. But the seaweed in in uh, on the beach where we are, where there's these places to stay right there, and water gets pretty deep right away, except on very low tide. Um, it, it, that's that's not seaweed that they harvest by going out and getting. It's uh, like I mentioned, it's clumpy uh, type seaweed, and uh, they wait for heavy waves to break it up and wash it on shore, and that tends to happen a bunch at the same time. But uh, you know, there's yeah, people are out looking at. I don't know. It's interesting around sunrise and sunset for it. So I talked to a guy. I say this is so wonderful. A local guy, right? An old guy that has a place on the beach, and he says, "Yeah, it's good." And he said it's wonderful. People are, you know, experiencing this together. It's a wonderful experience for the kids, and everybody's enjoying themselves. They really, they'll be down. You know, the waves will be coming up. They're not killer waves, but there'll be little tiny kids out there. They're comfortable in their ways, and they're grabbing seaweed, and they have nets. All these people have nets, and they're coming back making mountains of it uh, on the shore to then dry and sell. And I, I hear Japan's a big market for that. Uh, anyway, it's clearly, uh, and, and this is not the long stringy type of seaweed where we are. Uh, there, It's like clumpy type uh, um, seaweed, uh, like if you get your hand and you pull your fingers together, like like that. Uh, and uh, but you know what the guy said? He said, "However, I can make more money from a tourist, you know, driving a tourist or taking a tourist out in a boat in a day than I can make in a month doing that." So then you see, everybody appreciates the. The uh, intimacy and the, the the experiences they've had because of COVID, but you just can't resist wanting more tourists and wanting to make more money. It's you know it's just a drive. It's the drive that's creating climate change. <laughs> uh, mm. Anyway, so that that um, really impressed on me. Uh, we didn't go far. We didn't. We wanted to go snorkeling, but the water was too rough. And you, you don't go snorkeling if the water's rough. I, w I went swimming out in it, uh, which is not my favorite. Here, where we live here, is like big pool. Uh, a, a rough day here uh, was like be like a calm day there, because that. I mean, they have a they have a a, a, a reef, but it 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 doesn't. It doesn't break the water like the reef here. I guess it's it's a lower reef. Maybe they've taken a lot off of it to to build things. You know, they, you know people destroy reefs uh, and screw up their beaches and you know their shorelines by by. It, it should be illegal to take anything off a reef. It's terrible. Uh, but you know the reefs are coral. But anyway, climate change is taking care of that. Uh, oh, 
It's terrible. And it's one thing about snorkeling, it's a little depressing. You know, you can see all the coral turning gray. It's just because it's a coral graveyard. And, uh, and the fish are so few and the variety is so much less than it was 30 years ago when I first came here. People are wonderful, though. Uh, and um, But anyway, all right. So uh, Katrinka and I, we're okay not not snorkeling, you know. Uh, uh, I haven't snorkeled in about three years. Uh, it's okay. I'm happy to swim and walk. And I've snorkeled enough. Um, but, you know, we take long walks. We walk way down the beach. Way, we went way, way down the beach where we are to where you can't walk anymore. And that is uh, Coconut's Beach. And it's a very small cove. And what was happening there? Uh, <laughs> there's about maybe about a dozen local people who live right around and take care of that cove out getting seaweed. And uh, especially on one end. No, but there was there were most of them were on one end, and it'd be kids helping and this and that. Uh, but uh, it's a very small cove, you know, maybe uh, two hundred feet. Uh, and um, so I've been there before, and I'd go out in in the center of it, and uh, you know, I'd swim around and I'd lie there and in the water. I can lie in water really easy and just look up and enjoy it. But, um, you know, like I said, it didn't look rough, but it pulled me over to the side. And then I noticed I'm over there. It's pulling me out pretty fast. Now, uh, there's not just open ocean out there. There's surfers. There's boats. There's uh, there's these um, sort of holiday platforms, two-story with roofs and slides and stuff that uh, none of them are being used right now. There are a few of those. Uh, and uh, uh, so, but I realized I was being pulled out. Uh, and uh, uh, it had happened quick, right? And I didn't think swimming to the side was going to save me because I'd just been pulled out there, pulled over there from the side where I would swim to the side. Now, I uh, I think I could have swam out to the side. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of people, uh, surfers going in and out there. But I didn't feel real comfortable being pulled out there. And so uh, I was backstroking, and I always like to backstroke first because I, I think it's really important, the muscles it works on. So I can't backstroke as strong as I can forward stroke. So I can see uh, there's some steps there, old steps leading up the side. I, I went, all right, I, I'm trying to go back. No, I'm, I'm losing ground. So I go over and I start breaststroking. And you know what? I, I, I was still losing ground. So then I started bre- breaststroking as hard as I could, and I was just in place. And I realized I couldn't keep that up forever. So you know what I did? I swam harder, harder than I could. <laughs> you know, you can do that if you have to. <laughs> and little by little, I, got, and I didn't have that far to go. But I, this is not the first time this has happened to me. Uh, uh, you can get pulled out really easy being very close to shore. I mean, I was, how far? Uh, 50, 60 feet 
from the beach, but I was over by the the edge, you know, it's pulling, pulling me out. But anyway, little by little, I got back. And and then at some point, I was in a safe place, and there was a kid right in front of me with a net, uh, getting seaweed. And I went back in, uh, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I walked uh, back. And I climbed up. Could, there, there was a new place there. There'd never been a nice place in this cove, but there's sort of a nice, fancy. Well, it's a small. It's not that big a deal, but you know, it's a modern type place. And they were making. I think they were making hamburgers, and probably they. It, you know, not everybody wants hamburgers. I, we didn't bother to see what they wanted. They had very nice stools. You sit and. They didn't have any tables and chairs. They had a like a, a a a tile bench with stools, and I could drink a thought that was because they didn't want people to linger there, or maybe because mainly people are coming there to be in the water. So, uh, but we walked we walked by that and went up to the old funky place and sat with some local people and had some coconut water. But anyway, I went back up there. Katrinka had stayed there. Because we had stuff with us, and we we didn't want to leave, you know. Uh, there's a low crime rate here, but you don't want to tempt people, and and you take a chance, you get a bad apple, as they say. So I went up there, and I sat down, and I just said, "Wow, I just barely got back there. That was pulling me out. Don't go over there." And then the old guy there, he said, "Yeah, don't go to the left." <laughs> Go to the right. Right side's okay. I thought, wow, you could have told me that before I went out. But uh, then I wouldn't have had that experience, huh? So uh, anyway, I went to sleep. Then, boy, I just fell asleep. Because I'm going to tell you, I was tired. That's, that was, that's the best type of workout. You know, that type of workout where you go beyond, uh, that, that's what, uh, the, you know, that's, if you want to keep, it uh, fit and have your weight down and everything. I don't do it, but you do that. You just exercise to, just hard as you can for a few minutes. You know, a few times a week. That's, I've, you know, uh, that's what some of these uh, scientific places that uh, do research on exercise have come up with. Uh, there's a good video on that. I I put it on Cute. I linked to it on Cute Nonsense blog years ago. Anyway, so I went to sleep. Man, did I go to sleep. I mean, I didn't even know I was going to go to sleep. I was just sitting in a chair, and I can, uh, because of uh, my years of Zen practice, I can sleep sitting up. Actually, I had a head start, and I think I've always been able to. Uh, But I I think I've refined it more because of Zen practice. It really helped me. That's one benefit. And so anyway, uh, I woke up, and my eyes were closed. And I love it when I catch it before my eyes open, and I don't know where I am. I'd, I'd really gone deep to sleep, I guess, there. I didn't know where, and I love it. Like, I don't know where I am. Sometimes you go deep enough, don't know who I am, right? 
Uh, and you have to, like, figure everything out. Let's see, now I'm a being on the planet Earth, and uh, you're in a solar system in America. Oh, yeah, and, uh, whatever, you know. Oh, yeah, oh, I've got a name. It's uh, David. And Oh, yeah, I remember. Uh, well, this was more like remembering we were in Lombonga, and this little, by little, oh, yeah, we're coconuts. Oh, yeah, I know. And then I opened my eyes, and Katrinka wasn't there. And I thought, oh, I guess she's swimming. But anyway... Uh, that was uh, uh, that was a nice trip there. Uh, I tell you, the worst that ever happened to me like that, well, was Dream Beach because Dream Beach there ain't nothing out there to catch you. Do not go swimming at Dream Beach. It is dangerous, and it's you know they shouldn't allow it. Uh, you know you can look it up. Go on the internet and look. There was a guy. I Katrinka and I both almost got pulled out at Dream Beach. And there are all sorts of people in the water. you got to stay in the middle. You shouldn't go too far out. If you go over in the side, it can pull you out. And it, both of us had experiences of just barely getting back at Dream Beach. And like I said, there's nothing to catch you there. There's just ocean. And, uh, you know, here snorkelers and, and divers get caught in currents and end up on uh, Sulawesi, you know, <laughs> a thousand miles away or something. So you got to look out. You know, it's, uh, you got to watch out. Uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, we went back and then we, you know, we get back, maybe take a nap, whatever, shower, get ready to go out to dinner. You know, and the nice thing about being here, we go out to dinner barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just walking down the beach one way or another to another place. Hey, if you're going to go out, you could go barefoot everywhere. Nobody would care. But, you know, if you go in toward the road, you wouldn't want to. Um, and like I said, there's the, the last night we ate at this nice French restaurant next door. Uh, we always eat there once. It's really good. But, you know, it's a nice restaurant. But our tables are sitting in sand. Now, they got some that aren't that are up higher. Our tables are sitting in sand. There was a lot of wind, so they have these beautiful curtains that come down. They're made out of a sort of net. You can't see it, though. They're beautiful. And so because they're in net, they, uh, they're they not solid. They deal with the wind better. Uh, and um, so we ate there. But uh, like I say, it's a very nice French restaurant. It's really high quality. But there'll be dogs <laughs> in there. <laughs> There's beach dogs. The beach dogs are all real nice. They'll come up and be staring at you, sitting by, staring at you, waiting for you to give them something. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> um, well, I wanted to mention one other thing. There's a big crane out in the water there. Uh, like uh, uh, the crane that maybe it, it was brought in to uh, dredge uh, a harbor somewhere. I think it got stuck there on the coral reef way. It is big. It's big. You know, I, they're not going to be building any tall buildings uh, there. Uh, I, I don't know what it was doing there. But it got stuck, and uh, a local guy said that they can't move it. I look at it. Well, the crane, my God, it must be 100 feet tall. I mean, it's way out there. It's, you know, half a kilometer out there. Uh, or so, I don't know how far, but 
long way out there, and it's big. And I love it, man. I love stuff like that in, in uh, scenery. Uh, I used to I go walk on the beach in Bolinas. My favorite thing was this, like, this motor, this truck motor, you know, engine, not motor, an engine in the tide pool. How on earth did that big, heavy engine get in the tide pool? And Liz, who I lived with back then, she'd go, oh, God. Why, why am I with this man? Anyway, we're looking at the crane, and I got an idea. You know, rather than try to deconstruct it or deal with it or wish it weren't there, they ought to make a sculpture out of it. And that crane top, you know, it's at an angle going up. I can see the uh, a very popular uh, sculpture here is, uh, you know, they use Hindu themes, is... Um, uh, there's one, I don't know who it is, well, on a horse or something with a bow and arrow, right? So the arm is stretched out. One, the other is pulled back with an arrow. You could you could have that the arm and all that go right up the crane. They could make a giant sculpture. And, and uh, it would bring in tourists, more tourists, more money would give the, you know, it would be like the Statue of Liberty uh, for that area. Anyway, uh, I think I'd better go now. I just wanted to tell you, this is life in Bali. We came back. We came back uh, on another fast boat. Uh, uh, Rocky's boat had, had a problem. It came in, but they didn't want to take it out again. It had one of their engines, uh, one of their motors was uh, had gone out or something. They are going to fix it. But, hey, you know, they got a bunch of them. Uh, and uh, so there's this other one. This other company sent a boat in, and Katrinka said, well, that company is really considered to be the best. Oh, man, it was nice. And there were only about uh, maybe 10 of us going back. I've never been in a boat going back and forth from Limbonga with that few people. And you know what was funny? Going there and coming back, it was not rough. We didn't hit those big waves where you go bang, bang down. But... The water was rough in Limbongan when we were there. So I guess we were lucky. Well, I just went over all that, and um, I'm going to add a few post notes. First, uh, today is, I'm recording this a little ahead of time, today is Friday, so we've, it's been like a week since we've been back, and I have not gotten up in the middle of the night once. I, I, a couple of times it's taken me a little while to get back to sleep, but I really focus, you know. I focus, I count, I follow my breath, I just don't follow thinking, and I'm patient. And uh, I've been getting plenty of sleep. I've been getting seven and eight hours sleep, which is fine with me, because I find getting enough sleep and getting enough exercise really makes the work better. And also screwing around a certain amount, spending time with Katrinka, you know. Anyway, that sort of thing. All right, so that's one thing. I wanted to mention the cost of staying there. It's not considered a polite conversation to talk about money, but you might want to go to Limbongan someday and... Uh, or come to Bali someday. Now, you can come to Bali and spend a ton of money. 
or you can come here and have a rather frugal uh, holiday. Um, you know, a, a dear friend of mine, uh, a woman came with a package trip and stayed at a very nice hotel, and she paid $65 for a massage there. That's 10 times more than a good massage here is. And it's just, God, terrible hotel to do that. But, uh, I mean, really good massage and a nice place with nice atmosphere and beautiful soothing music and very nice masseuses. There are masseurs if you want to get, uh, like, basically the masseurs tend to be very uh, high quality, more like for people who, are, you know, have more physical problems. They want worked out and stuff. People who like really deep, hard massage. But the, the local massage is pretty, you know, some of them get pretty, pretty hard. And uh, they're really good. There's a very high standard for it. So the cost of our room now at Tarchi, which isn't the highest in place there, but it's a nice place. Uh, it's a nice big room with a super big bed. Uh, maybe uh, Katrinka said it's a California king. I mean, it's like I have to crawl up on the bed and crawl to the back. I'd rather it wasn't so long, but um, <laughs> and we could we could sleep. We could have a few more people sleeping with us across, <laughs> but um, it's not. You know, it's not beautifully decorated or anything. It's got. It's got a cabinet where we can put our clothes, and it's got a table by the bed, which is nice, uh, sort of longish. Plenty of stuff to put, room to put stuff there. It's got a bathtub, which is unusual. We didn't use it. Uh, we've got a Japanese bath. We had a custom built here. It's the greatest thing in the world, tile. Um, and also baths in these places, they tend to be too big. This one wasn't too big, but they don't, you know, usually it's hard to get the hot water right or something. Uh, they're really not into baths. Asia in general, except for Japan, uh, uh, that I know of is not into baths. I don't know about Korea. I've spent time in Korea, but I can't remember. All right. Uh, our room with a, a view. I mean, it's, it's hypnotizing. I'd sit out on the porch, some tea. And I'd have my computer there, and I wouldn't open it. I'd just look at the waves breaking. Oh, there's Bondi outside protecting us. Well, I'm not going to wait for her to stop. Look at the waves. I mean, the ocean's just down there a little ways. You know, a little sandy beach, you know. Gets uh, this certain amount of coral going in. I like to wear reef shoes uh, going into it. Um... And uh, so the charge for that is $35 a night as for their best room. So that gives you an idea of uh, what you can do here if you really look into it. You know, a, a view like that, a place like that in America could be, you know, five, ten times as much. Uh, buy a beach where you can swim year-round. <laughs> yeah, come on. Uh, all right. So, uh, and oh, our visa agent came by today. And um, 
So, you know, we, we have uh, what's called stop it bonding, kitas, uh, temporary residential visas, and they're good for a year. And um, uh, so it's time to extend it. And it's, it's pretty expensive. It costs us about, you know, five $600 each to extend it for a year. And we don't have to leave. Uh, but we get word that visas now have doubled in cost. Oh, God, man, that would be hard to do. Uh, we just barely get by here, you know. Uh, so our visa agent came over, wonderful guy. I, I did a podcast with him. A little hard to understand. He speaks pretty good English, but he speaks too fast, and it gets hard to understand. Anyway, what a nice guy. Really, really uh, supports, you know, orphans. And he gives away about, uh, you know, like $100 a month to various things. This is not normal. Also, he's vegan. I mean, he'll eat all the weird food that that we make for ourselves, which most Indonesians aren't interested in. Uh, and uh, he doesn't like, he you know, he, he, he doesn't eat sugar and, very unusual here. All right. So anyway, he came by, and so he said, "Yeah, visas have gone way up, uh, you know." And he said, "I have. I'm having to deal with that." I said, "Well, how much will it cost us?" He said, "Oh, I'm talking about new visas. Yours is the same." Ah, relief. Oh, thank God. <laughs> All right, but new ones very expensive. A lot of rules. Anyway. He said Jakarta wants to start taking a lot of money from it. Anyway. Ah, so, uh, anyway, that was our trip to Limbongan. I think it's time to say goodbye. So this has been a Cuke Audio Podcast, a life in Bali. I'm DC, Poobah of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, coming to you from Sleepy Sonora with Dog at Bandita, Feline Cuchita and dear lovely Katrinka, and we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening. Music